This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Drove through the past like the day we drove in Sitting in the back of the Tahoe waiting Headed east towards Spokane I could tell you it was not But my thoughts always get This is the moodiest probably Emory song. It's called Make Yourself Ever? Sick. There's a no. video. I don't know. I mean, it's it has it occupies a, sp- a certain mood that Nerd we walls? haven't really done. Uh, it's certainly moody. This is a metaphor, right, for the the place that I hold in our group text thread, the yes. wet blanket. <laughs> yes, it's a wet blanket effect. So Everyone's have- having fun, cracking jokes. Oh, here comes Dan. He's got a serious point again. Now we got to engage with that, or we're going to piss him off, and he'll leave for a couple days. Wah wah, Debbie Downer. So you're already hearing Dan Coke's voice there. Before I even get to the pre-roll, but let me tell you, today's show is sponsored by Brooke Linen. Brooke Linen makes my favorite sheets, comforters, loungewear, and towels. Their Memorial Day event kicks off this weekend. But if you can't wait till then, you can get 10% off your first order and free shipping by using the code BADCHRISTIAN at brooklinen.com. That's brooklinen.com, promo code BADCHRISTIAN. Okay, so we're about to roll here in the podcast. We've got a few things to do. Dan Koch is joining us. Do we have any other promotional items that we like to cover, you know, near the top of the podcast where some people are skipping? But I don't think there's really much to skip, but let's try to land another promotional uh, thing or two here. Well, one of the things I would like to do uh, is I know we have an Emory record uh, that's out, or you can pre-order it right now, right? You get it immediately when you pre-order it now. We do a a TV show on Sunday nights at like 7.30, 8 p.m. on Mm -hmm. uh, Eastern Standard Time on Facebook and Twitch. I don't, well, I don't know what the Twitch name is. Emory Music, I think, is what it is. Yep. Like Emory that. Music on Twitch. Cast yep. it to your TV on Sunday with your family. JT from Hawthorne Heights will be on this week. Uh, we're doing a song collaboration with him. Yeah, we're doing a Nikki FM version of, of that song, Nikki FM, that I'm trying to make sound a little bit like Warren G. Ooh. Uh, so that we'll see how that sounds. And uh, we also will be doing a chilled out version of the song Thrash, I think. Oh, yeah. I'm working on that right now so, and i'm scared that i'm not going to do a good job of it also i just got a uh n- brand new f- i spent some serious money but i got a new shipment of lots of products for marriage supply so if you are stuck at home my and you're a little bored or you want to spice some things up go to marriage and check it out i'm going to send something to dan 
Dan, Dan, y'all just had a baby, but it's getting close to the let's reignite the passion time. I think is that at least that's what you've said. That's what you I'm call not, it. I'm not going to say anything publicly about that. I heard that. <laughs> I'll take that as a yes. Yeah. Matt's Matt's marriage, the sex life of Matt's marriage died. What the the day your son was born? <laughs> Well, nine you months haven't had before sex that. ever since, right? Nine months before he was born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you, you got to add on the yeah, nine months. Yeah. So that's right. Who knows? We may want to have another kid. So I, I can still get lucky. It's possible. Yeah. You are the person that uh, you want to have more kids so you can get laid. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, there's pros and cons. Right. You know, I don't really want another kid. On the other hand. Right. <laughs> It'd be nice to get laid. Right, yeah. So drink a little wine, right. feel a little good about yourself. But there's pros. See if and it cons still works. Them. All right. Anyway, right. moving on. Yeah. Okay. So we've got about an hour here with Dan that I want to make a lot of use of, but I did have something that I wanted to do on the Monday Friday show the other day. It fits very well here, so I still want to do it. What is um, the Monday it, Friday show? The Monday Friday show is what you get if you join the BC Club. You get two more episodes a week. We've been oh, putting a little bit more that. effort into each one. They're a little bit longer. They're about forty-five minutes long, and I really enjoy doing them. We stream them live, and usually have the comments up from the people in yeah. the club. Anyway. Uh, there's one of those every Monday and Friday. If you join the yeah. BC Club, please do it. You but can pay us for our emotional labor that we do on those episodes. A lot of labor. We're going to talk about that <laughs> <Yeah>. later. <laughs> here we go. Oh, the, uh, already. oh God. The, Corona bro over here. Whatever I am. The thing Corona I, bro. <laughs> they have them. Corona bros. Um, the thing that I wanted to do the other day that I didn't get to frames this thing I want to do with Dan pretty pretty nicely, I think. And uh, so Reva's here, Dan and Toby. So I would like mm-hmm. to... This is kind of a little bit of reflective exercise if you want, if you just want to do it anyway. You can do this if you're listening too. I want you to name the five most important areas of your life, all three of you. So uh, I can give you the cat- broad categories that they may be in, but I think they'll probably emerge naturally. But if you had to do that, what would be those? What would those areas of your life be? Go ahead and spout them out as they come to you. I mean, I'm not even actually joking. It, it, sex, drugs, and rock and roll really do fit, <laughs> okay. fit for me. Okay. Those, th- those three actually really do. Then I would, I would add. That, that's a good answer. I would start with those three and then family. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, then, I, mean, uh, I don't know what the, the fifth one would No, be. that's fine. We'll start yeah. with that. Okay. Add to that, right. Reva and, and, and Dan. But what, Go, I mean, Reva. if you think about your area, I mean, you don't have to come up with five immediately, but what are the areas of your life, if they're distinct, that are important to you? Um,. Satisfaction through meaningful work. Work, food, okay. Relationships. Food, okay. <laughs> yeah, relationships. I mean, I'm, thinking about, I'm thinking about, you know, we have a new son. He's about 12 weeks or 11 and a half or whatever. And, and so family and, and he are obviously sort of at the top of mind right now. Getting, getting kind of back into work um, slowly. And that so that feels like also a domain that I, I need some of that. I need to be... I need to feel like I'm making progress on something that I find meaningful. Uh, and yeah, I mean, those are the two that come to mind. Uh, my faith uh, or sort of faith. ongoing, my ongoing, um, not conversation is the wrong word, but just sort of like, I guess, relationship with God. I, there really has to be, we need a lot more terms to choose from, to choose from in, in this field. But yeah, just sort of like, and learning about, I would say even science to the and research in the broadest possible sense of like, understanding the world seeing the world more and more clearly as well as kind of oh, broadening out possible perspectives 
of seeing things. That's a really yeah, important aspect so of life. You're going to call that category then knowledge. Yeah, something like knowledge, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which might not yeah. be for everybody is the top five sure. areas. It's, okay, it's top so five for me. Any yeah. more for you, Toby? I'm going to try and distill them into five categories. I'll tell you what's I wrote not on there, here, but... exercise. <laughs> not <laughs> physical activity <laughs> is at number 40. For okay, me. so y'all are already listing some really good ones. I want to see how they fit into these main categories here. But family is almost inescapable that most people are going to put that, whatever, however they define family. Friends yep. is probably one, right. like your area of relationships that is not familial. Is probably yeah, friends you know, is number five. They're contained. In a, it's at a soft Toby's, five. Yeah. Toby says sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but the sex would be probably contained in family in the way that he means it. And rock and roll or is, is work. Mm. Yeah, or is it? And mm. rock and roll is work. It's kind of fi- falls right. in the work category for him. Right. Uh, drugs is is outside of my. No, it's not. I have I have a category for that to go into. I've got here hobbies and recreation. Also, in yeah. addition to work, friends, and family, so most of what y'all are saying falls in those pretty much. And it's, it's okay if they don't. I was just okay. that was just the I was just looking to answer that question for myself. Uh, food does not fall into one of those. Does it? Is recreation or hobby for you, Reva? The food thing, <laughs> um, or is it like sustenance to keep your <laughs> yeah. body alive? Well, so, no, breathe. but she just said yeah, an important area of her life. And... I mean, but I, I wouldn't say it's an important area. I mean, it's an important thing. Yeah, maybe it's a hobby but, or an interest at that. But if point. it's not a hobby or, I mean, you're saying, I mean, it can be. That's that's a reasonable answer. But I, I was just curious about that. Uh, and then Toby said drugs. So it is yeah. true that you have relationships with substances. I mean, that's real. That's why they call it a relationship, like your relationship to alcohol. If you're an addict or whatever. I mean, that's. I, I mean, I'm. A, I, I'm. In, I'm including in that my phone. And the uh, internet and stuff. Okay, I, I, okay. I, I actually yeah. am going to include that with a drug. The thing that I need or want. Ah, or, interesting. Yeah, it juices me up. It get it gets okay. me. It, I okay. like that. Because I was going to put, I was about to classify alcohol in your friends group. <laughs> 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 the models your friend, right? Yeah. Okay, so all right, I just wanted to, everybody to kind of do an inventory of that in in the first place, and and everybody think about those areas distinctly, real quick, in your mind. And how they play out and how you engage with them is the question I really have. All of those areas, think, you you know, we'll come back to it, but how you actually, what does it look like to engage in each of those areas? Hold that in your mind. Okay. Now, we can go somewhere seemingly different. Do you remember way back when the internet was first getting going and there was things that you could actually do on the internet? So, for instance, it was like, yeah, they have an internet. You can do green screen email, whatever. I remember the first time, and people would say, and this was probably 1998 or so, 1999, there was things that you could begin to do on the internet, and it didn't seem important that you did or didn't do them on the internet, but maybe you could pay a bill on the internet. And you go, oh, I could, yeah, I guess, but I mean, you know. I don't trust it. Uh, yeah, but, I yeah, mean, but but you can. And people say you could do anything on the internet, and you would say, or somebody else, or you would say that, right. and somebody else would say, "What are you talking about?" Right. And, you'd say, and then you'd start to list things, and it would be a bunch of dumb things. Right. Like pay a bit. Yeah. Okay. Get your I movie know. tickets in advance. So I was trying. Can y'all think of more things that were in? Like, what were the things? Well, I had this exact conversation with my father, and I said, "Dad, you should get Wi-Fi." And he goes. What in the world would I do? What would you do? Yeah, right. Like <laughs> what, that question. What, and, and, and I mean, I'm, right. I'm even going to, I mean, you're talking even earlier. This was, I had this conversation with my dad in like two, 2011. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. He was like, what, what are you talking about? 
My yeah. mail comes. The, the guy gets paid to deliver it to my mailbox every day. What do you? What do I need to hit somebody up or what? Send something funny? What are <laughs> right. you talking about right. now? Right. And, okay, but I mean, now he actually does that. But he did. He, there is no way you're. I'm getting back mm-hmm. to your point. There's no way to communicate to my dad that texting me a meme would connect us somehow that right. he didn't understand. But it partly is kind of funny that in 2011, though, he already knew what he would do once he had the internet yeah, right. and ended up being right about that. Right. He had a premonition. He did. What, am I going to send you something funny? Hey, right. <laughs> That's what he does. That's what Toby would do. And he do did it. Yeah. But, but it, it was partly your lack of ability to picture or visualize or imagine it that to even describe something to him that he would value. But you did have a sense that it was true, but you yeah. still, still couldn't explain it to him. And it still wasn't totally true that it's that transformative at the time. But you run into that conversation many times. And I remember having it say, well, you could just do, you know, anything. Well, what you, like what? Uh, and you can't list anything. But right. there's a lot of things like that where you could go to a website and you would go there and do something. You go, okay, well, that kind of is useful. And then slowly, one by one, it would transcend and be like, well, I guess it is easier to do that thing on the internet. So you looked right. at it as this thing where you accomplish certain yeah, tasks. It's quicker or something. It's yeah. quicker. Yeah. And like so I at deposit that point, my checks through my phone and I don't have to go to the bank. Ah, it's better. Yes. But you know okay. what you're making me think of? I've been, because I, we have this newborn and my sleep is all messed up i've been re-watching a lot of movies instead of watching new movies because it requires less energy and i've re-watched the social network twice in the mm-hmm. last month and there's the scene at the party where sean parker's like we we met in caves and then we were in cities and now we're gonna be online mm-hmm. and it's like this idea of like he, that was like pre-instagram like you take yeah. pictures and share them online whereas people be like why would you do that you just you show people your photos that you print out. Yeah, people from say, Walgreens "Why should, yeah, why whatever. Would you do that?" Yeah. You know, it's just, and it seems silly, and then whatever. But there's, you know, at every point on there, like, okay, I get it. We've all accepted it. The internet is more functional for accomplishing things non-physically. Right. Okay, good tool, and that's pretty much where everybody has gotten to and arrived there finally. So I think that that's that's pretty good. Uh, and then we continue to make a bunch of progress there. But now. I want to ask a different question, and that is, you can go pre-COVID here. This isn't so much pandemic-related. It's just you could even go pre-COVID or post. What I'm saying is the fact that you're locked in your house is not the determining factor for how I want you to answer this question. But when you go back to those areas of your life that I talked about that you value and are the most important things, my question is how many of them and to what degree do they – are they mediated through or actually occur on connected internet and devices? Uh, I don't think I totally understand the question. You're saying how much of my interactions? What do you right. So we went to the top five areas in your life. If, let's how just say if we boil it down to family, family friends, yeah. hobbies, recreation, and work. How much of that is now mediated directly or accomplished online? Like, for instance, friends. Right. What percentage of your friends that is the one of the most important areas of your life after family, maybe work, how much of that is through texting? Since, since the pandemic, for sure, Skype. 100%. 100% right now. But yeah. I'm saying even if you take that away, but, even if you went before yeah. that, though. I mean, it, it. I guess we're taking out the phone 
like a phone conversation, a phone call. I, I'd say I would just call that the. I would still call that part of the connected digital voice VoIP whatever you know, still, world. For me, so, yeah. basically, almost one hundred percent. My interaction with my friends is either I'm on tour, mm-hmm. which is eight eight days, ten yeah. days, some fourteen days, maybe something like that, or I talk to them online, almost entirely. On, on, right, right, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and with so, my family, and with you know, yep, one hundred percent. Right. Like, think about you and your. If you uh, think about the total amount of, con- you know, it's less during the quarantine, but think about the amount of text with you and your wife. That's your relation. That right. is your relationship. So there's a percentage number you can put on you and your wife's relationship that's digital, and it's very high. <laughs> right. But I mean, I mean, I mean, I'll even say, like, even looking at this, uh, even living through this pandemic. I mean, take the sex aspect. There's a lot, and people go, well, you're talking about porn or something like that. What about just the idea of what you see sexually on the internet or mm-hmm. on the TV shows we're watching on our you know, YouTube TV that is basically internet TV and all that stuff, and we're, it's influencing us and what we think marriage is or isn't or all of those things. I mean, I, I think it, everything, it's infiltrated basically every component of my life. My kids' entire education now is online, and they yeah. are, my, our youngest is you know, seven years old. And her entire education is online. Think mm-hmm. about that. Even ten years ago, would have, it's not. Would have but been see, bizarre. that's that's different from the tool you use to like register for classes online. It's it your education right. itself is on, like you. I mean, the activity your is there. Not like it's in the, the third place. It's yeah. not happening locally. The things that are happening. Right. I'm not. I'm not trying to uh, jump topics, but just the idea that a seven-year-old's entire education would be online would have been. Most people would have said that's horrific, awful, bad. Right. You can't do right. that, no matter what. And now the pandemic has opened it up to where it's yeah, working. Right. Yep. It actually. So it, it's not perfect, but it is working. It, right. Know, that's that's right. That's obviously where I'm going with this. But the uh, if you look at your recreation and your hobbies, of course, those things are are largely on the internet. And then work. I'm talking pre-pandemic. I mean, come on. Your work is all on the internet anyway. Like, our recording sessions are in the cloud. Right. You know, we make music together in cloud preferred over in person. Actually preferred. Like, we now prefer that. It is more productive than us all being in a room. Yes. Our work. And and I would even say this. uh, Like, I'm, I'm looking forward. We were talking about, before we hopped on here, about our text thread, we're on with you know it's, mm-hmm. it's Matt McDonald, Dan, you, Devin, uh, Aaron Lunsford, me. We're on there, but there is something that if if I could text Dan and then a holographic image showed up of Dan in my room, he's like, you know I'll, I'll accept this, and then Dan standing there for a second, but it's not really him, and then he goes away. That might even help my relationship with Dan in some ways. <laughs> like, like I'm, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I want to hang yeah. out, but I mean we. Maybe we get more time in a way that's less intrusive, like we have to go to dinner and do this thing and do all the things that you've been told are important to get to the thing that you want to do. Like, There's part of me that thinks that that, that could be valuable as well. I, I know I'm probably off topic, man. I'm yep. not trying to just... You no, know, you're right. You're, you're illustrating my points. I'm glad I'm not going to get resistance on this. So I'm going to... You know how a lot of times I'll make obnoxious claims and then yeah. get myself into trouble and have to fight. I'm doing backwards here. I'll reveal my more obnoxious claim okay. in a minute. I'm just setting you up for it. But you're, you're going down the right... You're reading it correctly, though. Uh, but, but really absorb that before I move forward that your actual things that you identify as important largely occur online or at least mediated through online in a way that you don't even distinguish as a thing right. you accomplish on the internet this other place you just 
are inhabiting it with your consciousness when you're engaged with it. And yes. that is the way that you do it. Um, so and I think that spans across recreation, hobbies, work, friends, family. And if you can really understand that even your closest family and relationships often are occurring a lot mediated online, then you, you know, you've got to really accept that and take a deep breath and accept it. Don't judge it. It's fine. So if that's true, and then we, we're, we're looking at the fact that basically you live mostly on the internet, which is so much different than that 1998 place you were at. Like you were like, internet, is it useful or not? Right. And now you actually live mostly on it. Are you with me on that? Is that true? Yes. yes. I'm trying not to. I'm trying to live less and less on it. And failing. And, and, and having, yeah, not, I mean, it's hard, but having You're a You're trying new not child, to live on the internet. That's crazy in itself. Yeah, right. I know. Yes, that's true. So if in one sense, that proves your point that yes. it's become normalized. Okay, yes. so I'm not making yeah. judgments. I am not making judgments. and just, I'm not. But we see clearly with the COVID thing that it speeds stuff up. People have been saying that for a long time. It is clearly true. So at this point, I want everybody... We've already thought about your friends and your family. We're okay. Take a deep breath. And now it's time to accept a new fact. With the pressure of the pandemic speeding things up, I actually think progress is not really the word for it. I think pressure is the word for it. Anything that can well, be What do you mean out, speeding it up? I just don't follow you there. Well, you what know, you people mean? keep saying the coronavirus thing is speeding things up, like the trends. More, more oh, oh, schooling oh, yeah, yeah, okay. If okay, I wasn't I'm clear on that, I'm, I'm sorry. But the yeah, coronavirus yeah. speeds up trends. But it's it's like, oh, so because we got to make rapid progress. Well, partly, but it's really just the pressure. Like everybody's in a pressurized situation, so bullshit is cut. So it's what matters happens faster. Like what if somebody was going to get fired, they were going to anyway, this now is faster. Right. Like right. basically, like it, it, that's, that's essentially yep. the thing. Like get down to brass tacks now. So it speeds things up and it does cause progress, but really it's just a pressure. Right. Which is fine. But, I mean, good things come out of pressure. So, again, I'm still not judging it. But given that, and if you zoom out a little bit, and if you're slightly open-minded, maybe somebody's talked about this, I'm saying that you live in a what a, an amazingly cool time to be one of the people who's living right in the time where it is the end of the physical age. That's where we're at. Yeah, I believe that when you go back in 20 years right. or something or 100 years and you see the pandemic, I believe you will see that as something like the the soft mark of the end of the physical age and the beginning of the digital age. Fully. Maybe. You know? This is the start. I think it, I think it definitely is the start for the majority. There will be some outliers that you know push back and move out to the middle of nowhere sure. and get of offline course. and all that. But but you're right. Like, I mean, it, it's only going to get more and more. I mean, I mean I, I, the physical yeah. world. Right. Okay. I mean, that's it's not going to go away. But like, if you think of the industrial age and then the information age, well, we still have industry and machines and factories. Right. We still have right. them, but we are in the information age now, yeah. not the industrial age right right so yeah the, but what i what i'm wondering what's interesting is there does seem to be a reason to believe that the digital communication stuff only works at its best when you have a foundation of in-person stuff that's at least well, true yep. at minimum mm -hmm. true for children right like you yeah. cannot form secure attachment over skype so starting well, at a we don't know how to like yet that, 
and uh, maybe and not with Skype, yeah, but whatever I think it you is. Just don't know yet how to. Well, I mean, well, but we're going to try. That's what I'm saying. We're yeah, going forward I mean, that direction. I'm sure. not judging. There's no judgment here. I'm not saying it's good. It might be the worst thing we ever did, but here we are. Right. Is all I'm saying. I don't know how you make up for touch. That that's probably I'm the not, last. I got one. no ideas about that. Yeah, but. Yeah. To accept so, the so, reality that you well, may be the generation that's at the end smell. of the, the I mean, there, there's just like, there's something that goes on, like, for instance, with breastfeeding, right? That like, uh, there are so many interactions between my wife's body and my son's body, like mm-hmm. the saliva in his mouth during each feeding tells my wife's body what to produce more of for the next feeding. Mm-hmm. Like you could, you could theoretically figure out ways to do all of that but even when we do things like a really great replacement limb or knee Mm -hmm. or something like that like it's still never as good as the one that evolution brought about so i mean that's not true though (laughs) well no it it is true like no i mean science will will create a better leg i mean in 50 years, people, know, are, dude. Yeah, 50 years like, people are going to choose to cut their legs off and get a, a, a bionic <laughs> leg that's unbelievable. Maybe. I mean, currently, like, nothing we can do to oh, cure yes, anything well, yeah, come, but, holds a candle to what the body does to, to no, Of course itself. not. And, and there's some stuff we never will. No. And if we're not getting rid of physicality, yeah. and I'm not uh, sure. against atoms. No, I'm. I'm, I, just I'm not saying. I'm not it might take them, longer. But, or but something I, but like I think that. y'all are. I think you're diminishing what is going to happen. For example, people are working on technology right now where you touch your phone, and the vibration of the phone will feel like the fabric of suede, and you won't know the difference, right? Like, like you might your phone will vibrate, and it feels exactly like running your ha- finger through wow. a piece of suede, and so yeah. it'll my, be weird. I'm just Man, saying. I just can't believe that somebody solved my single biggest problem. Suede. Which is that I don't have enough suede to touch in my life. Yeah. <laughs> Come God on, it's cruelty free. I've developers. always thought that about you. Why doesn't Dan have more suede? Yeah, and you didn't ever no had an opportunity. Cows, Talk no about marginalized. Good Dan's, God. Dan wears fur too. He won't go for the cruelty free suede, the, the vibration <laughs> no suede. No way. He'll, yeah. he'll yeah. insist on the original that we right. slaughter cows for well, his shoes. So, yeah. There is an interesting. I don't. I don't want to. I'm not trying to steer this thing because you're in charge, Carter. But there is an interesting link me? between Fuck what you. you're talking about and uh, what we're going to talk about, which is that I'm, I'm going to make these, that link. Okay, would you want to make it now? Uh, yeah, so let me wrap this transition. and see. If we're, uh, you, you guys <laughs> have been great so far. I didn't prep you on this, but you've you've not resisted me, and we've affirmed the point, and we're transitioning to what I want to talk about with Dan. But yes, I just find it to feel. That way, and then you know, in hindsight, you you see things differently, and I I just think you can see it a little bit here if you can accept it that this is something like the beginning of the digital age where it it, it the primacy of things continues to be, really escalate, and and we're not even haven't even seen it yet how much more we got to go with this pandemic and what it's gonna, what this pressure is going to cause. But uh, let me, Toby, can you get tell them about Brooklyn before we go further because. They ain't got no digital way to sleep. You got to sleep nope. in a real bed. <laughs> well, I, I, I know. The one thing that I feel in real time and in real life is Brooklyn and Sheets. I, I've slept on them for years. Not vibration simulations of them either. Yeah, real it, sheets. It ain't no simulation. These folks know how to make sheets. And that I, I'm telling you, they're the greatest sheets. I, I'm just going to be honest. I am just a person who does not think about bedding. I've never thought about it in my life until Brooklyn. 
and this is 100% the truth. They are my favorite sheets. I 100% could tell a difference immediately the very first night and have never once slept on a sheet outside, uh, other than my Brooklinen sheets since that day. I love them. Our comforters, Brooklinen. Everything is awesome. Brooklinen, they're bringing comfort into your home and it's the ultimate form of self-care, seriously. Now more than ever, it's important to take care of yourself and each other. I mean, you're spending so much time at home. Why wouldn't you have just the best possible bedding? And they, I mean, they do a lots of stuff, but even just their bedding alone, uh, why wouldn't you do that to help with your mental health even or whatever you're going through in life right now? Like with this pandemic, it's really important. You spend a third of your life in your sheets. Don't you want them to be comfortable? Seriously, insanely comfortable. So put comfort first uh, with bed, uh, Brooklinen's bedding, loungewear, towels, and more. It's the home of the Internet's favorite sheets. Brooklinen has over 50,000 five-star reviews and counting. So, I mean, what are you waiting on? I, I feel stupid for not having... Found this company sooner. I mean, they're they my favorite. Brooklinen products help you find comfort in the little things, morning routines, extra soft sheets, plush towels, etc. It's hard to imagine a summer stuck inside the house, but if we have to do it, and we have to do it to keep everybody safe, I want to be as comfortable as possible, and I think you will too. So if you like softness, if you like comfort, brooklinen.com is the perfect place to find all the comforts for home and they're so confident in their product that there's all of their sheets comforters loungewear and towels come with a lifetime warranty their mem um, their memorial day event kicks off this weekend and you don't want to miss it so ease your way into summer with big savings on sheets bedding towel uh, loungewear and their newest hammam and linen collection and if you can't wait you can get 10% off your first order and free shipping on all the new sheets right now when you order uh, when you use promo code badchristian only at brooklinen.com that's b r o o k l i n e n.com brooklinen everything you need to live your most comfortable life all right thank you toby so i will just sum up and say that i do i just think you should allow your thinking to become new in that area. That's so that's all I'm saying advice there. We're not shunning the physical world or whatever, but you know, look again and see how's everything really look if you yeah. could accept that fact of reality. And one area that I think it really obviously matters more than any is you, you had the online dating first, the online shopping, then mm -hmm. online dating, and then that became real. It just became dating and now it is that. And then our friendships and then the next level about that that is really starting to emerge is communities, is digital communities. They are real communities. They seem to yep. really matter. They seem to really be able to acquire power. They seem to really be able to uh, accomplish things, uh, good and bad. They seem to be able to be healthy or unhealthy, evolve, and all that happens faster. There's way less norms around it. It's, it's, it's almost the new, it's a frontier. It's, it's what I would think is the Wild West. Like, who are these communities? How cult-related are they? How fundamentalist are they? What is happening? And we've been sitting here brewing in Christianity and Christian community, most people made the switch. Not to, I don't know if it's a switch. It's just a really blurry line between we were all at churches where everybody was saying community is important and your group and your community group, blah, blah, blah. And then that morphed online. And we've been also shedding the other stuff of church. And that's one of the things that was providing 
And now yep. what in the fuck? I, I mean, where are we now? But one of the places we're online now. <laughs> but who whose group is in what and who's what in what group and how are they behaving? And is it dangerous? And is it real? Because it used to be if you say something online, you people say, Oh, don't worry about that stuff on Twitter. But given the the right. preamble I just gave there, no. You have to worry about it. It's because it's fully real, and we live there. Twitter is a neighborhood, and it's your neighborhood. And so, if it's horrible, you live in it. Now, right. it is interesting, though. Like, for instance, if a person starts yelling in the back of the church service, uh, y- you gotta either answer them or mm-hmm. remove them, um, and and every single person in the building is distracted until that happens. It is easier to ignore whole swaths of the internet. Like, for mm-hmm. instance, I have literally no idea what goes on on far right Twitter, like Reddit, the Donalds. Mm-hmm. Uh, the like, I just li- I don't follow any of those people. Maybe you don't someone hang out gets there. Retweeted. I don't have to even Not know what they're talking about. Like, Obamagate is supposedly going on right now. I, I I'm just like I will. I resolve to know nothing about that. And I don't have to. So it's a little different. You don't sit at that lunch table. Person. That's right. fine. You know, but I don't even I don't even overhear them from my lunch table. Right. I'm not even in the same cafeteria. Sure. Okay. So the, re- the, th- the thing that I am very interested in, Dan, that you've been doing lately is the more you become academic in nature and on your podcast, you have permission. Um, I'm starting to f- I have this. I don't know what the right feeling is, but when I try to give you feedback on those episodes, it's like. I'm starting to get like a, almost this excitement or a jealousy when you're talking to like scholars about stuff that I know about because there's this area growing in this post-Christian. I'm, I use the term post-Christian. I don't care what everybody else says. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, you know what I mean by it, that this space that we've been in that feels like this small little corner of the internet where you're outcast Christian, not quite with that system anymore, but want to do your own thing and you're trying to figure stuff out. That ain't little anymore. It's big. It's not. It, it and, and it's so big that it has its own scholars and experts in the field. And I kind of know a little bit about the field, not like an expert way, but like, oh, I've just, right. I mean, it's, there's like a history, there will be a history of this whole thing and its movement and post-evangelical. It's a real thing that will be studied and written about in scholarly things in history books. And it, yeah, here already, we are yeah. in it now, and you are studying it, right. and then you're getting these guests on your show that are like, educated scholar experts talking about stuff and that yeah. all of a sudden then if there's a big fallout at the liturgist over fat shaming and michael gunger's personality all of a sudden us and this and that is part of that thing that they're talking about that's real oh, yeah. and the real world i mean like that's just hitting me here that you i would i as would you almost guarantee that either maybe not this coming year because maybe most of the papers are written but at least by next year's uh, American Academy of Religion conference, which is the big sort of uh, scholarship of religion conference, uh, this liturgist Gunger episode will make it into at least one paper delivered by an academic to a bunch of other academics trying to understand wow. this world. Uh, like, here's the best way to say it. Um, on the episode we did uh, ex-evangelical or post-evangelical, I was talking with Jesse Knipple, and she's a researcher. and um, I met her because I went to this session about sort of the younger it, in the academic world. They still kind of calling it the emerging church, which is a little different than the emergent church, which was like 
Rob right. Bell and Brian McLaren. But that's when the language started. That mm-hmm. that was the first group that like mm-hmm. this particular set of scholars started paying attention to about 20 years ago. But that same group of people is now more paying attention to this kind of ex evangelical post evangelical thing because that's actually where the heat is. And that room was beyond standing room only. There were people outside the doors in the hallway just trying to listen. So uh, the point just being, not only is the work being done, but it's like some of the hottest sessions at these conferences. So because, hot. Well, I just mean it's <laughs> people want to understand what's going on. So in, in the kind of um, in the uh, social scientific study of religion, language like the polling language uh the nuns n-o-n-e-s uh, also known as spiritual but not religious um basically you give someone uh like pewed as a research survey or something and it's like i identify as protestant or catholic or buddhist or atheist or agnostic or none of the above mm-hmm. that's that is the fastest growing by four or five times over any other group in america right now but these are not people who are becoming atheists they're not atheists they are none of the above. And that's why a lot of people use the term spiritual, but not religious. They don't identify with a particular religion. I mean, we're talking about like, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Something like there are 30 million of these people in the last 15 years. I mean, it's something insane. It's like a that. new group. Yeah. It is a new group. Yes. They didn't used to be a word. It's still called the nuns because they're still not even an agreed upon right. box to check and this group lives online well right because that group by definition does not have a church building because they are not identifying Mm -hmm. with a particular religious denomination or anything and they're not showing up in politics as a represented group in a big way yet right like you know like people say the far left is you know whatever yeah a lot of them are leaving uh, a lot of them are leaving the evangelical voting block and mm-hmm. becoming this thing. And so that's another area of interest. But plenty of them are politically conservative or moderate sure. or they're independents or libertarian. I mean, it's not like this group is big. It but it's part of the emergent races. It's everything. Yes. But it's part of the whole emergent culture, like in the same way that Joe Rogan is not taken into consideration in a lot of mainstream media. Although it's pulling bigger numbers, like these these things yeah. exist, they live places, and you'll always hear people say that the far left people that are on Twitter don't really matter, like to the the big political mainstream, even left people. They go, "Wow, well, we don't really listen to those super crazies over on the left." But I would just say, you know, yet, <laughs> like they are they're growing, it's acquiring power, things are mm-hmm. forming, there's norms. Stuff is happening. So to get yeah, even more it's specific, changing. it's changing, and it's real dynamics of the real world. It happens to be online, um, but it's real. New groups, power, hierarchies, uh, moral intuitions. Uh, wow, what a crazy space this actually turns out to be that we've kind of been, you know, me and Toby are kind of the classic clowns in the, in the yeah. stupid far back of the auditorium somewhere that a few people listen to. But nonetheless, the world is cool. The world is real, and it does matter. And uh, I thought something quite interesting this week as it pertains to the liturgist thing, which you'll, you're going to have to explain, but I will sum yeah, it up. Yeah, I don't even it. want to explain That's why I wanted you to have you on to explain it, because I can't <laughs> even explain it without being obnoxious. But uh, you, you uh, we have a text thread with that Toby t- talked about, me, you, Lunsford, 
Matt McDonald, Devin, and we are very obnoxious in there, and we just spe- like express ourselves in what some people would do on Twitter, but I would never say most of my thoughts, even here, or sometimes we just let it fly there. It's like a poker yeah, game. Wise. Yeah, and so there you are in that group, and you push back on us like crazy, and you're super scholarly, and you're always saying that we're overreacting to this or that or whatever, and I appreciate that. Um, and I, we always feel like, well, you can't. It, this is so frustrating online when you get into these controversies because you just can't say anything and there's everything's a trap and all that kind of stuff. And I thought you did something really brave, which is talk about it, think about it, sit with it, and then do an extensive thread to try to recapitulate what actually happened with that controversy and put yourself at risk to try to name some things and clarify some things, which yeah. almost never happens. And so I wanted to do that in this verbal space as well. I want you to do that again. I find it a brave move because there's not a lot of upside for it other than you are the person that has convinced me that this space matters, it's worth contending for, and the truth of it does matter. And so bad behavior needs to be called out and named and seen, and it's fine for people to have different points of view and all that stuff. But the the actual yeah. norms that develop here matter, and there needs to be brave people. And there's a difference in brave people and cowards, and it matters, it seems. Yeah, there's there's a difference between being brave and being uh, cowardly uh-huh, right. in the moment anyway, yeah. I mean, I'm um, cowardly is what I'm saying also. I, here. I would say I, I don't, don't think – I don't think I deserve this uh, bravery tag. I didn't. I didn't go on the record until multiple uh, people who I respect, who do work, sort of, kind of in this world, um, either podcasters or running, you know, organizations, um, doing like like I have a buddy who does like um, politics and race work. Uh, and once multiple of them had reached out and gone, dude, what is going on? I felt like okay, I, I'm not. I waited a day, you know, the next day I I like, okay, I think I can say something here. Cause I think there really is something here and I'm not just reacting in a hotheaded kind of a way or out of a defense mm-hmm. sort of posture. Um, so, but that didn't, that didn't take bravery. I think it was just more like a little bit of discernment. Um, I, I think it's a little one, bit brave, but here's what uh, I need you to fine. do next is I you're going to have to give that. us the overview. You're going to have to yeah. give us the TL, TLDR yes. because a lot of people don't know what it is. Yes. And then secondly, you're fat. <laughs> yes correct right. oh, God. Uh, i can yeah i definitely am i'm 258 okay. pounds as of this morning okay um so <laughs> all right so well i, I just, totally naked right wanna, you were totally naked i do want to say before i do that i want to say one thing though which is that i think is i think about this quite a bit carter that uh we have influenced each other a bit on this issue you're talking about of uh are we just class clowns in the back of the room or does this matter i think four or five years ago, I was of the opinion that what you guys were doing, like capital R, capital M really mattered. And you were like, no, dude, we're just joking. We're just kind of flinging stuff out there. And I was like, no, 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 no. You're influencing all these people. And you're like, no, we are one data point among many people will figure it out. And I've moved closer to that perspective with my own work. Like I'm not a savior. I'm not a guru. I I have a limited perspective. I'm one data point among many. I try and do it well, but I I don't expect to ever be anyone's only stop for how they think about something. And you've come closer to me as well. Yeah, of like, it's oh, true. actually, it's, we participated. Matters. Stuff matters. We participated in this thing. That's a, it's kind of a big deal. It's it's a growing 
it's a it's a it's a big deal insofar as it affects a lot of people's lives. Yeah, well, way. I agree. The older I get, and stuff that changes in my life, and I see stuff, and stuff matters. Unfortunately, I don't want it to. What a drag. I guess some stuff matters, and you know, whatever. So, <laughs> all right. Before we go any farther, I just, I mean, I just need to listen to some music. So, can somebody just play something? Play anything. Now that is nice. I feel great already. Okay, so this song is called Blackwater. It's a single from a new tooth and nail artist called Tiger Wine. This is their second full length, but it's their first one with tooth and nail. So when tooth and nail acquires new talent, we tend to pay attention. Quite a good track record of selecting good artists. So, uh, And from all over the place, all kind of different music. So I would always recommend checking out their new artists and see which ones are for you. Maybe it's this one. This is Tiger Wine. The new record just came out, and it's called Nothing Is For You. It's available everywhere, so go check it out. And by everywhere, you know, your Spotify's, your Apple Music, your Tidal. Who knows? Probably anywhere you get music, you can get it. So we don't even have to give a URL or a promo code, nothing like that. And it helps the artist when you listen to them and check them out and give them a chance. Make sure you find at least an artist or two now and again and give them a chance. Maybe this one, the band's called Tiger One. Okay, so here's so here's the TLDR of what happened. And unfortunately, there's not like one Twitter thread you can find for this. It happened in in real time. Somebody was posting one of the admins of the liturgists Facebook group was posting the various screenshots of the threads in a thread. That was the only place it was. And then they took it down. So there's nowhere you can go now to like get all this. So this is but this is to the best of my ability to reconstruct. This is our new world, though. I know. So, uh, here, here's what happened. Basically, I'm going to, I'm going to just pull up my own thread here to make sure I'm not forgetting anything. But what basically happened was the liturgists podcast, 
which we now learn is separate from the Facebook group and separate from even Science Mike, the co-founder of it. Uh, they started, uh, they put out a, sorry, a episode, right? They put an episode about uh, something like... Fat phobia is what it was initially yeah, called. They wanted to call, they, they originally was calling it this fat equal bad. They changed the name. They sort yeah. of regret changing the name later. Anyway, they they had a person on who is a particular kind of dietitian. Okay, it's this particular. It's called intuitive eating. I did not listen to the not, episode. Not, uh, I I don't know if you're giving her enough ahead, credit. Toby. Like my wife, my my wife loves this dietitian. She okay. my my wife has had eating uh, at in the past and still works through eating disorders. And this lady is phenomenal and ha- and has gone through a ton of eating disorders and is really pro helping people understand their bodies. So the the thing is that this lady, even though she's not obese or even fat has struggled with eating and issues for a lot. So this isn't some, just somebody that's thin that they had on this, this hot and a model. That's not what this was. This is a dietitian who, who works on body image stuff and, and whatever. Um, now (laughs) I had a, I had a licensed dietitian or nutritionist in my own group sort of talk about her like serious problems with this style of being a dietitian. We'll leave that to the side. Anyway, they had this episode on, they had a bunch of uh, audio clips of fat identifying listeners that they played throughout the episode, but the guest was not fat and they called the episode fat phobia, something diets and body image or something like that. So what happens is uh, plenty of people find this episode quite helpful um, a few people, specifically uh, a one, uh, I guess, like fat activist. Um, I, I should have pulled up her name, but she she runs a podcast called Shannon Dingle. Yeah, she runs a podcast called um, yep. uh, Fat and Faithful, and she yep. she basically uh, lodged a complaint, a concern, or whatever with Michael Gunger that there were no uh, fat voices centered on this episode. Then some Twitter sort of back and forth went on as it does. I think Gunger was a little bit insensitive. I saw it was hard to even track all this down, but I saw at one point he's like, there were a bunch of voices, maybe listen to the episode kind of sarcastically. Of course, she meant not the clips, but the guest was not fat. But th- there were lots of clips of people yes. who were fat on there. Yeah. But like, that doesn't I'm, count I'm as minutes centered, or minutes of the centering, book. meaning uh, in know, this case, not headliner. No, I, I, right. Not the headliner. Right. Yeah. So yep. I was wrong. It was actually the uh, fat and faithful is uh, Jay Nicole Morgan. That's right. Yeah, that's yes, it. Jay that's Nicole it. Morgan. Right. Okay. So sorry. What ends up then happening on Twitter is a conversation between him and a couple of these people who uh, with with her and whoever was agreeing with her. Um, and by the way, I tweeted back and forth with her the next day to make sure I understood this. So I'm I'm going off of I believe we've understood each other. What what she meant. And basically what she was trying to say is she's operating on a principle that if you're going to do an episode about fat people issues, and by the way, I don't use, I'm I'm using the word fat because that is the word that these activists use. It does still feel kind of weird to me, like to not say overweight, agree. but that's whatever. Uh, I'll use the words that they use. I mean, fat used to be very derogatory. Yeah, trying I, to reclaim I, it. I've, I've been sure. fat my whole I life, like and I was called fat in a mean way. Yeah. I just right? want to make but, sure but that if people terms don't change. know, I'm not just like calling people the N-word here, but I'm using their own language. Right. 
So good lord, Dan. <laughs> uh, so they, the principle is, if you're going to have an episode about fat issues, you have to center uh, a fat voice, which we have done that's, on this episode. Yeah, that's yeah, because I'm 250 pounds. <laughs> so that is the. Although I I don't face the kind of discrimination that larger people do, and you know whatever. Um, it's not, I'm sh- why do you say that? Uh, yeah. well, because that, that, I just that don't, make... I just don't, I, I just know. No, that... no, no, no. But, but, but that's what I think so rotten about it. Mm, you, yeah. I you might. I why do you say uh... you don't? Because maybe you just don't acknowledge it. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, I'm fat. Yeah. I, 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 I am fat. I've gained, I, I mean, I've actually really been struggling with my weight during the pandemic and that is real, and I don't yeah. understand why people can take that from me and go, uh, yeah, but, you, dude, sure. you're not that fat. Well, let's like just – let, let's put all right, in go there ahead, for now. Go ahead, go ahead. So the principle is basically um, always center – I think I actually – I quoted her directly here. I'm trying to find it. Um, the the – the, hmm. I can't find her exact quote, but it's like always center fat voices on episodes about fat issues – repeat for yes. any marginalized group. That's what she, that was, she tweeted that back to me. Okay. That's the, the principle. So what happened between her and Gunger, as I understand it, is that he was like, Hey, we did put these voices in here. And she said, but you didn't have one as the guest. And he said, I don't think that you necessarily have to have one as the guest. Uh, this woman's work is valuable, even though she's not fat, there could be another episode with the voice at the center. And so the, basically um, in Nicole's uh, summary thread that she posted the day after, she said, it should have been simple. I'm paraphrasing here. It, it, it should have been a simple ask to apologize and, and make a plan to fix it going forward. But what I think she really meant by that is it should have been simple. Agree that my principle is right and that you did the wrong thing with this episode and then make it right. Right. And Gunger was not right. willing to say, yes, every episode on an issue must have a centered voice of a person in the group. Uh, and I gave an example on my Twitter thread. So I recently, a week and a half ago or whatever, had an episode come out about Islam. A lot of it was about Islamophobia, media narratives in America. And I had a Protestant clergyman who has decades of experience in interfaith work has spent some time in the Middle East. He is not a Muslim. He has never been a victim of Islamophobic discrimination. And it was a fantastic conversation. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't do it differently. Right. I, don't, I, I don't agree with her principle. And so that's what I kind of was trying to make clear on the Twitter thread is, uh, if, if, for instance, Nicole had said, hey, you know what? I think more often than currently happens, fat voices should be centered in episodes about fat issues. I would actually say that's probably true. I would, I would rinse, repeat that for any group you want to talk about. I do think it's true that like white men go all the way back, landowning men, whatever have controlled narratives for as long as there have been narratives to control. No doubt. That is a hundred percent true. And it's very worth listening to narratives from other people that does not equal the principle of always feature one as an expert witness, so to speak, that that no one else can do work. White people are Islam scholars and they legitimately learn things and they understand some things about their subjects 
better than the subjects understand them themselves. You and I could, for instance, when, when you guys interviewed Michael O. Emerson, when I interviewed Michael O. Emerson, the divided by faith author, he explained yeah. things to me about growing up evangelical that I did not have language for. But once I heard him say it, I go, oh my gosh, you're right. That is what white evangelicalism is like. That is the thing I grew up in. Now I'm a centered right. voice of white evangelicalism and I didn't know that. So research, scholarship, science, there's just other ways to learn things about a group or about a set of issues. And so that was kind of my basic contention is that well, it's fine to center voices, yeah. but it's not a good rule. There's another premise, a principle at work there, which is, uh, I don't know if it's a principle, but there's also a social demand of compliance at play in That's addition to like disagree. To yeah. well, let me yes. put it in Toby terms. They want you to apologize to everyone for something that you thought. Uh, th that's what I don't understand about this whole issue is you need to apologize to people that were hurt. And I feel like the people that are coming after the liturgists are talking about a podcast episode. Yeah. Right. And, and I can understand. I, I totally 100% get. Wait a minute. Let's have a person who with lived experience. On this episode. Yeah, I get it. But that's where it ends for me. I'm, I've been fat my whole life. I've been bullied for being fat. I've been called names for being fat. I've been the most uncomfortable person for being fat. I put myself in positions to be in front of people where I was fat and felt just uh, sometimes even helpless. And I, I feel so uh, strongly that when you ask somebody to apologize to somebody, you are speaking for people and implying that they are weak and they can't help themselves. And so this white woman is saying these people can't help themselves and you are being mean. And basically they went after Michael Gunger. If you look online, the, 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 yeah. the thread is Michael Gunger, you're terrible. And then science Mike bailed. Yeah. So Hil Hillary McBride um, bailed. Yes. So let me finish the, the TLDR. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. It's taking a while. No, that's cool. Um, but I'm glad that we got 20 minutes on Carter's idea for the internet future. Um, <laughs> no, you so, got killed by Dan Coke, uh, Carter. You feel so stupid. We can, we can edit, edit it out. Oh, little skinny ass. Got your ass burnt, huh? <laughs> little, little skinny ass. Oh, why don't you go eat some carbs, motherfucker? <laughs> Hell yeah, Dan. And, and pay no consequences for it. Right. Um, so, so what actually... So that's all fine, right? I mean, that's an internal conversation between liturgists and their listeners. Where it got interesting to me was that within hours, both Science Mike and Hillary McBride, um, who, who, by the way, I, I'm not going to say anything about their motivations. I don't know their motivations. But what they publicly did on Twitter was Mike McCarg, Science Mike, basically said, hey, guys, Gunger and I have disagreed about this for a long time, and I'm with you. And not with Gunger. Yeah. And Hillary said, I just want to make it clear. I am not a host of the liturgist. I'm a collaborator. She distanced herself, herself from it, basically. Yeah. And that was the thing that I thought was most interesting, most revealing, and most scary. Is that we've got now? How about disgusting and low? No, uh, and low Dan's character. Not do, we're not. Dan's just making. I'm not. I don't get to say that. Here. Sure. Let <laughs> me just, let me I read was, what Hillary wrote. <laughs> I want to clarify that my role in the liturgist is as a contributor, 
Not a partner. Although I have not had any editorial control, I have enjoyed participating. She goes on, and that being said, I do not yeah. agree. She says I do not agree with Michael on stuff. But I mean, the 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 throwing somebody under the bus when if you listen to the episode, it's Hillary and the lady talking. My, yeah. Michael Gunger is at the very beginning talking about what's going on in the intro and the he does the intro and all the editing all stuff. Hillary is doing the interview. I mean that's yeah. low character. If if you're gonna be I, a part uh, of it, don't don't say I'm just a <laughs> contributor. That's yeah. that's really rotten. I don't I don't well, I, so I mean there, what what is that? That that'd uh, be like was, that'd be like Reva saying, Yeah, just because I get paid for them, whatever they say, I have nothing to do with it. No. You have something to do with it. And and, and Reva would own that. Reva owns it all the time. <laughs> that, yeah. I, I mean I mean that, I think it was I think it was unprofessional. Um, I, you know, I, I'm how about learning. shitty, <laughs> how about the uh, potentially backstabbing? How about, wait a minute. Uh, you, you, you agreed to join this and now, uh, Oh, nope, nothing. To, I, I'm a contributor. <laughs> yeah. I'm a contributor. Yeah. Just to get out of here. <laughs> Come on, mate. I mean, that, that makes it so disingenuous i can't trust yeah. what what am i supposed to trust with what she says wait as long as michael yeah. edits it and does it the right way i agree come on mm. that that just seems shameful right and outside uh, of the you know intentions or the inside or whatever that kind of speculation what is it you find disturbing about that though like what is the well, so yeah so i i think it's disturbing that a handful of voices coming from, you know, I think objectively the far left of that issue um, could derail, could throw two spikes in between those three people so quickly uh, over, you know, just like so fast. And that these two people who have had years long, especially uh, Science Mike and Gunger, I don't, would they start the lyric just like six years ago or something? I mean, They have been working on this for a long time. And I know that Science Mike technically is not doing a bunch of those episodes anymore. I, I don't know. Maybe last year he stopped or something. But I don't know. It's a big deal. And uh, it's it's a big enough deal that my understanding is that basically every single person in the semi, semi-progressive to progressive Christian podcast internet space were all texting each other about this that day and the next day yeah. and stuff. Um that's what I've heard from friends that like they have these text threads and everybody's interested and, and worried about it. So it is a big deal. It happened very quickly. And for me, it's like uh, basically an, an activist fringe took control of the narrative. And, you know, it may, it's probably not going to die. The liturgist will continue on, but it's but it's injured now. And certainly like Toby, a lot of people will take Hillary a lot less seriously now if they felt like he did about this situation i think that science mike uh probably has retained that far left group for him but but has probably alienated a bunch of people closer to the middle and one of the things i brought up in my thread is that there seems to be some naivety i think about the psychology of all of this that like um there are just a lot of there's a lot of voices at a good table. A good table has a lot of voices. Yeah. And basically what I felt like happened here is uh, one little section of the voices were able to throw a giant stick in the spokes of the whole thing. 
Mm-hmm. And partly, I think that uh, communities like the Liturgist Podcast, who are sort of on the bleeding far edge, sort of sociopolitically, to some degree invite this by basically creating a certain kind of an environment, a certain kind of space yeah. with their show. And that is 100% their right. It's their prerogative. They can make whatever show they want to make. I just noted in the thread that I've been careful not to do this because this is exactly what I feared would happen. I do have people sometimes requesting for episode topics that I think would be too far left, basically, that are too, they're too specialized to right. the particular opinion of a, of a vocal minority, basically. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure this happens on the right as well. I'm sure there are communities like this that have sort of exploded in this kind of a way. Um, I'm not privy to that kind of a thing, but to me, it, it's, it really relates to just like, um, just like basic group psychology. And the funny thing is I'm not an expert, dude. I'm a first year grad student in this stuff. I have a pretty rudimentary understanding of this. And even I can tell that this is naive, uh, yeah. to assume that, ideological purity getting it perfect uh is what we need to be doing and if i could say one more thing about purity because i think it really relates here is that cool can i keep mm, talking go, sure. go for it. i i whiff a bit of puritanism about this so it's like look you did talk about body shaming and you did feature uh voices of fat people but you didn't get it quite right and in my interactions with people i, I engaged a lot that next day with replies. And a lot of people said, how much harder would it be to add another voice interview one more person? And that just made me think like, so just get each episode like that one, one more click toward perfection towards purity. And if it doesn't hit that, then it's not there. And then here's another aspect of the pure of the puritanical thing. Once there's the stain and there's a public stain, now we have to distance ourselves. And so within a matter of hours, both Mike McCarg and Hillary have distanced themselves from the stain so that it does right. not get on them in the eyes of the community. And that's an instinctual and, and, thing. Like they're not, you know, like it just start, it just yeah. happens. The human dynamic. Self-preservation. That's the thing. And it's both of them. You know? Here's, well, here's why self-preservation in a particular kind of a community where this puritanical thing holds. Right. So if you didn't have that kind of community, then you wouldn't feel pressure right. to distance yourself. Well, well, the thing that bothers me the most is it makes me immediately distrust both of them. And they I am the person I think that they think maybe should even be changed or motivated or uh, open up to new stuff. Right. So, what, what uh, you know, th- that's the way I feel about. Uh, my family members or my dad or something like that. I want my dad to listen to a liturgist podcast and go, oh, I never thought this way before. Let me think about it for a little while. You don't, you don't, when, when you, right. And, and I think the people that were coming after Michael Gunger, I'm just going to say Michael Gunger, because I don't know if they came after everybody else. I don't think they yeah. are creatives and have put themselves out there and have done, I mean, Michael Gunger knows what it's like to make a record and it be shit on or to make a record and push boundaries and to do the, like to be kind of punk. And, and I love the, the movement that was in the eighties and maybe even uh, some of the nineties that was punk and pushing back on everything that told you what you're supposed to be. And then now those people, now, now these people that are proclaiming, uh, 
to care about everybody are using the same tactics. I mean, that, that, that is really frustrating to me. Like, I don't, I don't understand how you could do yeah. that. Like, let, I mean, they, they, they say stuff like, we don't want to cancel this podcast. We don't want to end it. But then I see, I, I see people like, uh, Stephanie Drury say, burn it down. And she's a valuable voice. And why yeah. did, she's saying stuff that I'm like, wait a minute, but what, what is your goal to burn everything down? And, yeah, what and, is the puritanical and, and, and goal? And then your yeah, that, your the voice thing. is the only one left. I don't understand. There's valuable voices out there. What are you trying to burn them down for? They they get stuff wrong. Yeah, so I, I don't. There's no there's no savior. Right. So there's a there's a bit of a like a preaching to the choir element here that I I I kind of want to say is even one step further. Like like liturgists and anyone for that matter, has a right to make whatever kind of podcast they want. I mean, I, I have friends who listen to like socialist political podcasts and they can just listen to other socialists. Great. Fantastic. Freedom of speech. Make whatever thing you want to make. Um, but it seems like it's gone from beyond preaching to the choir to let's actually, we only want the choir to preach to itself. So you have to have the right kind of voice on here that is already in the choir. And then we'll all listen to the other choir member. And then we'll simply repeat that every single episode. And what I think this, that, that has a benefit, right? Like groups form solidarity by being similar. Uh, in fact, the, the principle that is credited with the growth of evangelical churches in America is called the church growth movement or church growth principle. And literally the principle is get people who look and dress and make similar amounts of money to each other and your church will grow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it it fucking works right now is it what we want to do i think no it's not what we want to do and um but but to be clear people can have different purposes uh i think there can be a space a podcast for instance a facebook community this is just for people who have exited violent fundamentalist religion and for a while just chill here together and process it fantastic that's not what i'm that interested in doing I would actually like to change people's minds because I think of myself as doing, I'm, maybe this is wrong, the kind of activism that works in a sense. Uh, of course, I don't mean to say that people who do full-time activism are doing less than me. I don't spend that much time on it. What I mean is though that like uh, Jonathan Haidt uses the example, the, the psychologist of if you want to pass gun control legislation, let's say you want to reduce magazines or universal background checks. Who should you have be your spokesperson? Should it be Meryl Streep? Should it be Bill Belichick? Should it be a retired four-star general Mm -hmm. who does not believe that these weapons should be in the hands of civilians, but absolutely believes they should be in the hands of soldiers? Who's going to change more minds? And to the extent that our public-facing content, like podcasts, become entirely the choir preaching to itself— we will ensure that we change zero minds. The only people who will ever come to our show are people who already agree with us. Otherwise, they won't be able to stand to listen to it. And that's fine if what you want is catharsis. But if you want policies, if you want votes, if you want actual change, then you need to widen the table and actually let people in that are 60% in agreement with you or 80% in agreement with you. And that's why I, I get so worried about this 100%, 98%, 100%. Each thing's got to hit all these marks. 
No, it doesn't. Like, go make a better one. It, you know, like, well, with but see, other. that's the issue here is, is you're coming from a point of view that's actually wanting to shepherd the community or have it be healthy or grow or whatever, change people's minds, people learn, share information and knowledge. These are your values. But there's a other there's hidden agendas here at play. I mean, or or, or even unintentional. But the, the, the dynamics are you just said, for instance, that you can make something go make something better, for instance. Well. Uh, whoever the person is, you said Nicole. What's the person's name? Yeah, uh, Morgan. What's her last name? Morgan. And yeah. I'm not speculating, but I'm saying, for instance, you said she has a podcast, right? Right. Okay. Fat well, and faithful. And you and you just said, well, that she just make something better. Well, I think she does have a podcast, and I do think she wants many people to listen to it. And so right. that may be at play here. Regard, it's not. Yeah. It's not her and Gunger working together to help the body. That's not the. That's not what's happening. There, there's, there, yeah, there is opportunism I, that will creep in no sure. matter what when these, when there's these things. So I'm not judging anybody specifically. I'm saying yeah. it's not as if everybody shares the motive of we want to help everybody. That's crazy. That's not people's motives. I mean, uh, I don't know who's or what. You but. did well. So this is what's interesting is what we're, we're kind of talking about coalitions here, right? So the liturgists community, and I should say by the way, many liturgists episodes have been very helpful to me over the years, uh, more in the first few years than. Then more recently, and that's partly because I have not sort of continued to go left with them sociopolitically. Mm -hmm. um, and so it has not felt as much like it's for me, which is whatever. But you do need a, there needs to be some kind of coalition, right? Like that's how you get things done. And so if one group, like, okay, here, for instance, hear this. Here is, for example, a class based critique of the situation. These people who are complaining uh, or uh, feel, um, you know, marginalized for being fat, uh, it's nothing like people who are marginalized for being poor. If you are fat, that almost definitely means you have plenty of resources to be able to feed yourself more than you need other than people with, you know, genetic or thyroid problems, which I'm sure is a pretty small percentage. Certainly is not the reason that I'm fat. Uh, there is like a system uh, that is inhumane and not treating you the way that you deserve. Yeah. And there are way more people like, like economic problems are way more entrenched than eating problems. For instance, so you have way less control over them. Now I'm not saying I accept that class critique of the fat activism stuff, but it's at least possibly true. It's at least worth pushing back on. Uh, someone might say, Hey, you know what? No episode about economics shouldn't, should not include Poor people speaking for themselves. Well, what if you want to have a conversation with an economist? Like, like you just, you, you, you think that the group that you're a part of the, the, the just cause that you are fighting for or believe you're fighting for, you think that ends can justify the means because it's a righteous cause, but there are 20 other righteous causes, just one arm's length away from you. Right. And how do you know that yours is so good that it's worth hampering this coalition of which I believe the liturgist has been more of a coalition in the past. I, I agree. But also righteous causes then wind up being uh, good places for agendas, uh, uh, ulterior motives though. That I'm saying they, it, once something is unscrutinizable power gathering effective device that is not questionable, and I, I just can't help it. Whenever something's unquestionable, this is when I have to. Now I'm here. 
I will be there. <laughs> if I have a question, I need to have to be able to. That's that's the whole thing. That's the whole motivation for me to do anything with the church. Well, all this stuff. You, I have a question. That's where you guys, you and I, are very in alignment. I mean, I, the the one theme of my own sort of thinking and work over the past five plus years is intellectual humility. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I just think to go, I've got the lens. The biggest thing is fat phobia. The biggest thing is ableism. The biggest thing is racism. The biggest thing is economic inequality. They're all big things. But the like, so, yes, they are. But the social I mean? tactics no involved. No pun intended. There's, there's the, the, yeah. the scary thing to me is the social tactics involved are ones to suppress questioning, though. The tactics yeah, in the game the theoretic with thing. no intention yeah. or judgments on any people. Well, the tactics in the playbook uh, are to suppress questions. And once that happens, you have now invited all of the bad people. To the party. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I that's interesting. I don't have, I have not thought about that at all. So I won't say anything about the bad actors thing. There's probably or the bad sides that. of good people. But I'm just saying this yeah, is why sure. you know you don't scrutinize these people. But, the priests, you can't say anything about them. They're not doing anything bad. Of course not. They're the good people. So when your righteous causes are there, but here here's <laughs> what I do not like about this. I'm being told, and the, the the worst part about everything that I saw was how much language was used about white men. That the actual the and so I get it. I understand. I, I think white men for history have a lot to account for, and I am fully on board with that. And I've changed my mind about that. Right, but when we're talking about obesity then I want to include the privilege of it. Do you know that in uh, this is from the CDC in 27 and 2018 from the CDC, uh, the prevalence of, uh, of obesity increased from 30% to 42% of Americans, 42%. And then I, I'm, am supposed to feel some type of obligation to stop a podcast episode for those marginalized people, when the they are not talking about, oh, let's see, the 12.6% of black Americans or the amount of those 126 that are in prison. Or, or Native the, Americans. Right, or Native, yeah. I, I mean, the, the, the idea that you would almost seemingly appropriate marginalization or not being centered when there are people that are actual minorities that are just out there just struggling, especially during a fucking pandemic. <laughs> when the, the, look at some fucking data and you have the audacity and privilege to to do this. Like, I don't why, why would I believe you when you're talking about a 42%, almost half and they're, and they're, I, I they're claiming margin and, and I'm with you. Here's the, here's the difference. Hey, liturgist, man, why wouldn't you include a fat person? Yeah. Why wouldn't you include someone with a lived experience? I get it, one hundred percent. I'm on board. But Great the idea continue. that the idea that you would take some pious, uh, which I think is is not, uh, I, I think it's strategic. It feels a little bit agenda driven to try to bring down something that was trying to do the right thing, and maybe they got it wrong. But everybody gets it wrong. And so all it's going to do is eat itself. And that's what I think is really the devastating part about this. I think these people's voices. Not even just about fat people, but on across the board should be heard, and we need to be elevating voices. And I'm a I'm in agreement with centering voices, but the idea that you would bring down something that's trying to do the right thing, what in the world are you spending your energy and time and resources on? 
I mean, it just seems it seems like the most privileged thing that you could sit somewhere on your Twitter account and shit on something that was trying to create something. But you get and a benefit from it. Yeah, you that's do. the only reason people do. do things is for benefit they get. But the benefit they get here is not political. It's not. It's not policy, Dan, and it's not that. It's self status increase. That's the game. I think that's right. Or maybe even less. Um even less dark motives, just yeah. they just get a dopamine. Right, hit it's just from, I feel better, I elevate yeah. myself yeah. in this moment. That's the, the the most innocuous way to look or, at it. Or, but it lines up with puritanism, and in, in like you know, if you frame that with puritans, what is that behavior in the emergence well, so it, yeah. of, of that? Well, it's worth looking at the fundamentalism out of which a lot of these people uh, have come. Right, so true. I, I'm using puritanism on purpose because. That is alive and well in fundamentalist Protestantism, right? Where um, you don't gamble. You don't let a glass of wine touch your lips. You don't uh, dance. You're the best at praying you, first and the most. Yeah. You you basically are not defiled. Yeah. You're not defiled by these things, right? And uh, I did an episode about a year ago on your permission, maybe number 19 or so, early, late teens, maybe 20, with um, Richard Beck. I have his book right in front of me here. It's called Unclean, but it's basically about disgust psychology. Yeah. So disgust psychology is one of the modules of our minds that has evolved. It is incredibly beneficial. It keeps us from eating gore, from ingesting like dirty food. Poop. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, poop, right? Scatological mm -hmm. stuff. It, it makes us think that poop is gross, which is good because poop's full of bacteria. Um, but it also enters into moral reasoning. So, for instance, uh, one thing that he does that's so cool in the book is he he gives different categories for the types of metaphor in Scripture for sin. Some categories are like missing the mark. They're performative categories, running the race. Right. He's like, great. But some are like staining. Stain, yeah. Pure white is now stained or I need the blood of Christ to purify me. Right. That's using the disgust module, the, right? The yeah. purity module. Yeah. So. All I'm saying is this is, and I'm no psychologist yet. I've got a long way to go, but my basic understanding is that this is a very powerful part of our mind. And what I think is going on in some of these, would people leave fundamentalism and find what resembles to me a new fundamentalism right. on the sort of post-religious left or something like that, mm, sure. something like that. They just have not actually retrained that disgust module in themselves. Would it also- just simply- God, do they have new things that they're disgusted about but, as opposed to not being disgusted so much? Would it be reasonable to say that some people have high disgust modules anyway, which probably gravitated sure. towards fundamentalism in the first place? I'm sure right? that's true. Like Although, some people have heightened anger, people, the, just different things you have in the way your physiology is. Some people's disgust yeah. reaction is stronger than others, and I bet you those people already found themselves in fundamentalist positions in the first place. Except most people who leave fundamentalism are born into it, mm -hmm. so I'm not sure. I mean, maybe there's heritability of disgust levels. I would, I would guess that would. I'm be I'm sure there is, but either way, some, the true believers yeah. are made up of people with high activity in the disgust module. Yeah. but it can be less complicated than that. It can just simply be like just how if you grow up with parents who fight, you're more likely to fight with your spouse, right? Like mm -hmm. you just learn patterns, mm -hmm. and uh, it's much easier to swap out content for the same pattern than it is to actually break a habit especially and if you're not break aware a pattern. Yeah. yeah. Especially if you're not so aware of it. So would the profile of yeah. those people be people that like, and you'd see this across all, you could look at, you can go outside of this 
world we're talking about and all over politics and social media that is so prevalent, it, it responds to the low these these things, the outrage that and the disgust is probably a big part of that. We probably need to keep talking about that. Um, more, it's not just outrage, but the the people who are easily or strongly disgusted by things that might be a marker in general. I'm disgusted by anybody who would burn the flag. That's the same kind of this thing. That's that's a person yeah. who would then take strong action or by any means necessary. We got to stop those people that that disrespect the flag. You know, it's that kind right, of right personality. You could if you could measure all people's psychological constructs. You know, you'd find similarities for the type of people who enlisted on September 12th. Yes. You know, I don't know what they would be. You'd also find uh, some strong similarities of the people like me who on September 11th really downplayed it in my own mind because I had to get ready for college because actually if I had thought about it, it would have made me anxious. So you'd find similarities between people who did that. Right. So, yeah, we we do have this kind of like... um bio-psychological uh, diversity that we're basically born with and it's basically arbitrary. It's chance. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things. But then, of course, we're habitualized, we're socialized by our environments. Um, and I just think it's sad to see, I think it's particularly sad to see people who have gotten free from a kind of fundamentalism embrace a, a, just a different fundamentalism. Right. That's, right. That seems like a loss to me. Yes. I, I feel so frustrated because it makes me think, okay, I do not know a lot of the world and my whole life experience was changed because luckily I ended up in a band and got to tour the world and got out of South Carolina. And so I op- I was able to open myself up, not even like, I, I, that was the, I wasn't planning on that. I thought I'm leaving South Carolina to start a band and more than the band, my life experience changed. I, I used to think homosexuality was the unreal perversion, disgusting sin. I don't think that at all anymore uh, at, at all anymore. But that was and, your disgust module right. that was active. Does that seem clear to you that you had an actual right. disgust reaction for the gay people? Yes. Right. Yeah. Because I was taught that from the people that I was right. around. I, yeah. I, I would, I wouldn't have if I grew up in San Francisco or Seattle or something, but the, the point being, I opened myself up to being changed and I don't want to shut down any voices. And that's what I think is rotten is that I, I appreciate the voices that go, hey, liturgist, what if you did this? Then liturgist is actually going to get better because it's actually right. valuable. And those voices that are challenging that are really valuable. But this feels, uh, it really just feels disingenuous to me. It feels like they're trying to stand on a platform. That's, why I've, that's what I ward against uh, for the church. That the church tells you exactly what you're supposed to be and the God you're supposed to believe in their way. And that's not true. Like yeah. you, you were talking about that earlier, Dan, where, how, wait a minute, one more guest makes it better. You get to, de- who, who gets to decide that? The person putting in the, I, I mean, do, were you there when Michael Gunger would, was literally working to create that thing? Dan, your podcast, you edit it put it all together, do all this. You know the work and the labor of that. It, isn't it really unfair for somebody to come out, uh, I mean, on any level uh, outside without really knowing the true work of it and just say, oh, you should have done this. That, that, that just I seems... Think, yeah. It, well, I think you. it's best explained by continuing with the Puritanism analogy. The Liturgist podcast is one of the sacred spaces. It's a temple. And the things that happen, in, you don't, you do not go to mass where the priest goes, eh, this is the body, this is the blood, 
You know, mm, you take point. that shit seriously. Right. right. And you should, right? Like, I don't yes. want to go to a mass where the priest is is doing something like that. But is a pod should a podcast be a temple? Is that actually uh not the best place to to put Wait, those feelings? That makes me and Toby those like, you know, we have the shitty temple. <laughs> Well, like, yeah, you know, but I don't. Well, so for instance now, but what's interesting here is that the temple is in the eye of the beholder. It's in the eye of the listener. Yeah. I sure as shit don't consider the bad Christian Good. podcast to be a temple. Come on. But there man. might be people who do. And if, and if you guys, there could be, I'm sure you've had listeners, um, that you guys started changing. Let's say maybe as you know, the three of you got more liberal or something like that. Three. And they it's had, just me and Mayor. Was <laughs> it two? Rewriting, rewriting history. Um, but like, you know, like the people uh, who were like, oh, no, you guys had built a thing that was really sustaining me. And you've changed. You changed. Right. And I, it's not for me anymore. Like the, the temple is in the eye of the beholder, basically. Yes, sure, sure. So for some of these listeners, I think the way to understand it is that. It had become a temple and you don't defile the temple. That's the one thing you don't defile. And that's why people said stuff like you have yeah, this platform, that's a good point. right? This yes, podcast is doing sense. such good work and you've done it wrong. So posturing yeah, so yourself as the person, deal. the priest that has the right answers is the, is, is a pro like if right. you want people to, okay. People are I always trying to project how they want to Big be time. seen basically just for yeah. the job you want or whatever it is. It's like, that's the thing people do. Maybe me not as much, but I'm sure I do it too. But I, I notice p people are trying to be the thing they want people to see them as. I think that's a fundamental way people Everybody do. I guess I, I don't. I don't. Yeah. It seems gross that you that's don't true. Do it as much. I resist people, it toward the degree yeah. I recognize it, but I'm sure I'm doing. Yeah. But anyway, I certainly look at normal people and say they are trying to cultivate a way to be seen and treated by other people. I, I really do have a distaste for that. But yes, if you treat your if you exemplify yourself as temple curator of seriousness, <laughs> then right. yeah, then you're going to get yeah. judged against that standard because that's the that's you built a temple and said I am the priest of the temple. So yeah, it's you got to watch though. out. I mean, it. it's hard like this is something that I have I'm trying to talk about it a lot on the Facebook group with the patrons of my show um and a little bit when it comes up naturally on the podcast of like trying not to become a guru. Yes. Uh, like, and, and I don't, it's actually not clear to me how you do that. Um, because there are, cause it just is the case that the kind of stuff that my show talks about for some people based on their experience is like the biggest fresh air mm -hmm. they've tasted in months. And how do they not put that in a sacred space in their own mind and story? I get that they will do that. So I don't know how to counteract that. What I can do is when, whenever people online go, just kidding, Dan, like I'm just giving you a hard time or whatever. I'm like, you don't have to do that with me. I'm not a guru. You can give me shit. I'm just, mm -hmm. I'm just a guy who's pretty good at podcasting. Like it's not, I, I try to break down that pedestal. You can't totally do it though. No. Uh, and so you, you do have to, I think, find a balance of taking your work seriously, but not taking yourself too seriously. But it's not like, I'm not saying it's obvious and easy. No. I think that you guys, you guys, uh, have an easier time of that because of the, like your personalities and you guys are so insanely casual 
you guys should be the dictionary, the encyclopedia. Uh, uh, what's it called? What's an, the encyclopedia? What's the word for that? Britannica. The 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 <laughs> item, the the item in it. The, the example. Entry. Entry. The entry for casualness mm-hmm. is is oh. bad Christian podcast. Is the two of you the definition? Uh, and so I think that wor- I think that works in your favor in that regard. Informal just, is the word I like. You, yes, informal. You guys are so informal, but I'm not that way. Like I I cite research. I interview academics. He um, and knows so things. How do I not- uses good words? Reads right, things. Whatever. <laughs> and we do the other way. <laughs> But I just mean, in that sense, you guys are better off. Like, I think mm-hmm. people don't think of you as gurus you, more easily. You have mm-hmm. an easier time with that. Uh, and it's something that I am having to work on, not because I'm a natural guru, but because the, uh, yes. my personality and stuff are just That's different. a clear but, principle to me yeah. that it's always been that way. But I keep falling into it and realizing, oh, no, but still, it's, I look like a leader of this or that. It, it still happens. And, I, of course, I love to be worshipped and get attention. I, that I say well, out ego, loud. Of course right. I like that. Of course that. the ego loves being I'm a guru Directly seeking attention. That is true. Yes. That is 100% yes, true. But it has to be. That's why I have to cut it with so much of the other. And to do that, because I'm trying yeah. to balance and it's still not getting it right. And I guess at this point, we've arrived at the height, height of privilege that me and Toby and Dan go through our struggle. We had to try to <laughs> right. avoid becoming sure. famous, powerful gurus. And you don't know how hard that is. <laughs> you know what? But you know what's funny is that just, what, 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 are the, what is the guru uh, long-term success rate? Not it's good. That's be what I mean. Not good. Low. I don't like it. Yeah. It's got to be low. Know, right. And so in a sense, that is serious because it is the it, if we do allow ourselves to get to that guru place, it will likely be the undoing of everything good that we have. 100 percent agree. And it will and it will um, disenchant the people who looked up to us, whether or not they should have. I'm, I'm recording an episode soon uh, with two people, one of whom knew Jean Vanier personally, the uh, my like. My former greatest hero of the faith, uh, this living saint who started these communities for the disabled, and it turns out he sexually abused multiple women in spiritual, uh, spiritual Your hero relationships. Did? Yes, and it was it was a massive God. story in sort of the the worlds in which I run, and um. You know, it's it's kind of a it's a, it, none of the disabled people. They weren't. He wasn't abusing disabled people, but he was in spiritual direction. He was a celibate priest, and he was into some kind of weird shit yeah, that his mentor was into, it, who was like active during the '60s. This weird kind of Mary sexual mysticism stuff. Yeah, and uh, multiple women uh, experienced that as abuse, and he didn't stop it, and he didn't address it before he died. Yes. Um. So shit, right? Like that's real. So there there's real two reasons ways that, that happens. That's a, and it could be a cross and it's not black and white. But one reason, because people, like I said before, that have not the best intentions, they need cover in righteousness. I mean, that's obvious. And, and then secondly, getting the power that you get from being successful at anything uh, then causes you to have blind spots and make bad decisions with your power yeah. and not realize you can't get away with stuff or it's as bad as it doesn't seem as bad to you and all that stuff gets warped. I mean, you just get warped. Right. So there's multiple causes for that, but these are the problems with gaining power and notoriety. They it, it was not good for you. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, I don't. It seems like it's not good. Celebrity pastor worship and the need 
to be the hero internally is the one that concerns me the greatest. So the biggest red flag of me, if anybody could ever meet or know, is does that person seem to actually have the need to be seen as the hero? which skips the work of doing heroic things or doing good things. But that personal need to justify something else, and it's massively, massively, massively huge in evangelicals and places where there's hell and people who are worried and, and, and burdened with guilt. They seem to also, and you might feel guilty because you molest disabled, I mean women or something, whatever it is, you feel guilty thus needing to balance it out with being a hero or a guru. Like there's yeah, some I, I, need there that seems to I show I have up. no idea what was going on in Vanier's motivations. I, I will say I don't think that this issue of his has completely invalidated everything he did for me. It hasn't. I think it was, I think it was more of something not so central to who he was and what he did. Mm -hmm. But it was nonetheless a big blind spot that had serious that repercussions That the power enabled, if nothing else. Uh, yeah, I guess power, sort of. I mean, he didn't own anything. Um, power, he had oh, some he had sort spir of spiritual power. Yeah, of course. Yeah, over right. the women, I mean, yes. he can't just go. He couldn't. He let sure. me guess. He wouldn't have been that great picking up chicks in the bar. <laughs> well, he yeah, he probably wasn't trying to do that. But so this is really interesting um, because I keep thinking about this with my own work and in our long term conversations about this. That you know, early on, I really felt like, oh, I like I really am doing the Lord's work here in in a sense of like. I am getting rid of roadblocks for people to be in closer relationship with God and being in closer relationship with God is obviously the most important thing because if God exists and God wants re relationship, then by definition, there is nothing more important than that. And I, it's not like that's totally wrong, but what's been interesting about starting the psychological education is that has gotten way nuanced for me. It's gotten spread way out. So what counts as better relationship with God is getting over your irrational anxieties or your depression. Does that bring you into closer relationship with God? I think it does. If God is goodness and creativity and whatever, like um, I'm trying to decenter myself as the hero in that story. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, and then widen the definition of like things that might help bring people toward God. And then that also causes me to recognize all the other people who are doing stuff that different kinds of stuff that does the same, same work. Um, it's really, in, it's, I, I, maybe I'm tangenting now, but I just think that's a really interesting topic. And I've, I've just been finding myself thinking about it a lot. And I thought about it again with this whole controversy uh, last week. I think my goal always is, I, I mean, I'm I'm just going to be 100% honest here. I think Matt and I could easily be gurus and undeserved and and you and Dan's laughing right now because we purposely choose not to be. I I I will uh say something that I think is really important and meaningful to people and then the next thing I will say is uh something about what's the difference between uh bad times and three dicks your mom can't take three uh, bad times <laughs> or so uh, whatever <laughs> joe I, i'm i'm going to push every limit because i, I want it, you yeah. just to fucking take me as i am and let me be me and that that's what i'm saying like 
when, when you're talking about your hero, I, I can't remember his name. Jean Van Damme. Yeah, Jean Claude Van Damme. That that's yeah, Jean Claude Van Damme. Dan Koch's hero. Jean Claude Van Damme's hero. Oh man, boy, gosh! You see blood. When he played, when he played Guile in Street Fighter. That was oh just it for gosh! Me. But what I'm saying there is, I think that the the idea there that I would could achieve something or that would be a goal to achieve would would be really rotten and that's even going back to what we're talking about here what does it not feel like that's what some of the comments were about the litter just like it doesn't feel like they actually are wanting change they wanted to condemn that that that's the thing i i can't get past it's like i think in their mind they're working for justice and they believe that they identified a who are they working for justice for for the members of this marginalized group, as they it see just it. gets vague. But this I mean, it gets vague. really it gets vague really quick because I'm a part of that community. I'm I'm definitely considered yeah. obese. There, there can be a bit but of because I'm white or this color of my there. skin or something like I, I I can under I can even understand that. But I mean, the clarifications get really weird and bizarre and strange. Yeah. And, and I even saw people. I mean, I'll even say this: I saw people. Your I thought that your post on Twitter was about as middle of the road as you could get. And I was jealous that you could write something so clearly. <laughs> I, hard, I really was. And then I saw I, I saw people just diminish it as a white guy with a beard. Yeah, the beard. I, like, I, I mean, I was like, could you, I mean, is that not the same, the same thing as saying black person in the hood? I, mean, I, I, hmm. I think it might be now. The black person in the hood has a real argument of how much uh, oppression they've faced. All the thing, all, uh, uh, you're not claiming that oppression, but I'm saying the person that said that about Dan is using really derogatory racial uh, terms to prove their point, which is what the KKK does, right? I mean, that, that's what the bad people that I think the people that I think are bad do. So I can't. Well, you, you don't know. Yeah, you can just say it's an ad hominem attack. I mean, it's not. It's not a real right. argument. Right. Uh, it, just because I happen to look like a bunch of people who like John Piper does not mean right. that I don't have good points. <laughs> Reva, were you gonna? Did I hear you start to speak? No. Okay. <laughs> Toby, you sounded like Reva for a second. Yeah, man. I don't know. It's. Um, it's it's complicated. I, I think that people think that they're doing good work and that they just have a sort of my my impression is they have a limited vision of of what they could be doing yeah. and and what would be better. You well, know, we could disagree about that. Well, but, Dan, can but I know you got to go here in a second, but let, 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 let me ask you this one last question. The the th- I guess I will say this, one of the things that bothers me about it is we you have been in a band. We we are in a band. Uh, you know what it's like to have to the the work of creating something and putting it out in the world it immediately will cause some people to hate it or some people to love it or whatever it might be but i i think that the idea that you could work so hard to do something like that liturgist podcast i personally know it took a lot of hours to do and you know what that's like and i think to diminish that so quickly as wait, if you added one more voice, that's the thing that I think is almost the most egregious to me is that you could just if you listen to the podcast. Oh, how about this? How many people were probably helped by the podcast? Maybe most 
right? And and so it it is there is value there. Is what I'm saying. Now, could they have done better? One hundred percent. It literally just should do way better. Uh, of course, bad Christians should do way better. Uh, you know, you have permission should do way better. We get all that, but I'm saying. You actually, it's not going to though. But but you are trying. Like, oh, how about with yeah. you? You have permission. Yeah. Aren't you trying to do the best you can? Of course, Th- with that's but a, within that's time constraints, right? I mean, like, right? Yeah, I mean, within <laughs> reason. There's real doing time constraints. That's why my favorite insults in the world. The two insults that are for some reason so powerful that I find could be completely useless are. You always think to give a good insult, you got to be creative, right? Like, you got to come up with a good insult. Like, you know what I'm saying? So here's the right. two insults now that carry the most weight. If you if you ever really lodge at somebody that they are a bad person, <laughs> not very clever, but that one seems right. to be a super bad insult. And here's the other one. If you really want to get somebody, you need to come up with something real clever. You tell them, do better. Like, that's supposed <laughs> to be a really horrible, you know? Like, this is the dumbest insult possible. Do better. Okay. I mean, but right. that carries so much weight. The, the 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 thing to say, do better. Like that's a big deal yeah. to say. I think that's insane. I um, do I just better. I want to reiterate. I just want to reiterate before I go that for me, the the most worrisome and the most interesting, frankly, part of this whole thing is that they pro- inadvertently were able to drive wedges into this thing that they yeah. loved. I don't think that. Uh, that they would have had these complaints if they didn't love it. Right. Like they're not writing into other podcasts that they don't listen to. So it's like, it's feels like a work for justice, but because it is a bit small minded or, you know, whatever narrow or whatever you want to call it, because it's not taking into account the variety of legitimate opinions about what is really important in justice work, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Because of that, it ends up hurting the thing that it loves. Yeah. They end up hurting the thing that they love. And it is hurt. I mean, I, I think there's no question. The liturgists has been diminished by this. No doubt. Right. Uh, and that's the sad thing is that they, it in their mind, it's just, we're just calling them to be better, but actually they're demanding perfection. And it's only their version of perfection because there are really good arguments that would argue for a different kind of perfection that are not being at the, t- you know what I mean? So it's like, it's not that different in that sense from you've got the one youth pastor who's really, really interested in evolution and fossils. Right. <laughs> and so he's always going on to rants about how the fossils aren't real. Right. And we don't really know how fossils are made. And it's like, dude, that's just like your thing. That you're you're actually hurting the institution you're a part of, this church, this youth group, by always talking about fucking fossils. Right. Uh, maybe there's something there to talk about with fossils, but there's also kids are going through divorces and they're learning right. about their changing bodies. You know, whatever. Fill it all in, right? All the things that youth groups are dealing with. Uh, or they're excluding kids at school and they could be learning to be more like Christ. Whatever. Right. So it's just it's myopic. And then it ends up being destructive. And that's the tragedy. And that's the thing that I'm trying to, uh, to the extent that I can, uh, inculcate a more generous and open thing with you. I have permission when people come on that have minority views. We have a patron who does not, not convinced by evolution. 
that's my that's a pet peeve for me but i like this guy and we chat and i have not shunned him and i you know we we try and keep that stuff open because we have a larger goal here basically so Anyway, I gotta run. We got a baby. Dan, thank you up. so much. Everybody, you, check Dan. out. You have permission. It's 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 really really good. Yep. And the th- the stuff you've been doing lately is great. It's just it's cool to see yep. our space matter um, to some degree. And I appreciate you pushing me to see it as maybe there's more importance here than I like to allow myself to believe. You know, and maybe it's true that we. You know, I don't know what'll happen with the Gunger for standing up to to this. Kind of or backing I down, kind what, of. Yeah, that's a good. You know, we'll good see. Yeah, they kind of. We didn't talk about their response. They basically yeah. sort of caved and sort of didn't. We'll see what happens. Right. The, the liturgist uh, Facebook community officially split now Shoot. from really the podcast, which apparently they were never the same thing. Um, but they made it a private group. They changed the name. Uh, you know, I just all I'm saying is it yeah, had real it had large. Ripple yeah. effects, serious ripple yeah. effects. Yeah, that's yeah. All. I mean, it obviously changed for me when after this last summer when we lost Joey and all that. Like, there's no doubt about it. The digital community, the space, the consequences. It's just so real. You can't even. It's just so real. You can't even imagine it. And we had the thing a long time ago where we didn't apologize for, from to those exact group. You know. Right. So that leaves you with the fundamental question: Did we not? Do we not get attacked from them anymore because we stood up to them? Or just because we're irrelevant hacks, the choice is yours. <laughs> All right. Well, they're not paying attention to you anymore. Well, and I know. It's, I, know. I mean, it, it, this is a little bit of a nihilistic way to think about it. But if it's true that there are certain groups of vocal activists that will burn down whatever they love, unless it gets so tiny that only they enjoy it, mm-hmm. then you do actually you don't want them in your community. No. It's it's like it's like a, the free rider problem uh, in. Um, you know, evolutionary theory. Anyway, all right, I got to run. Thank Guys, you, Dan. Talking. Appreciate it. See you later. All right, Thank real quick. While, while Dan's gone, I want to read this. Uh, I, I want to read the... Uh, okay, I wanna, I'm going to read this. This is a review. I love the idea of this book and accepting us for who we are, and I agree with the idea that we should love everyone regardless of their shape, size, or ability. I also agree we should demonstrate Christ-like behavior at all times. I also agree that the church is full of sinners and none of us is perfect. I believe shape, size, age, and other characteristics do not prevent God from loving us. I believe that he desires all to come into a relationship with him. I agree that our approach and opinions about body image and can damage those who do not meet what society indicates a person should look like. I also agree with the idea that body size or shape should not determine what people think of others. There should be, uh, there should not be shame or ridicule associated with size. Uh, when I read the title of this book, I was uh, offered a copy and read uh, for my fair and honest review. I wanted to love the book. However, as a conservative Christian, there were parts I could not agree with at all. I agree with the idea we should show Christ-like love. However, I I can't agree with the idea of loving the sin and the sinner both. Christ demonstrated over and over again that we are supposed to love the person but not accept or encourage sinful behavior. After all, we see the best example of this with the adulterous woman whom Christ told to go and sin no more. So while I love the concepts of this book, I found it was 
a little too liberal in some of the theological aspects for me. Now, I totally disagree with that. That is a review from Amazon about J. Nicole Morgan's book called Fat and Faithful, Learning to Love Our Bodies, and she did not apologize to that person. Mm -hmm. That person is deemed maybe not needing of an apology because J. Nicole Morgan wrote a book, and this person has an opinion about it. But J. Nicole Morgan did a shitload of work to do that book. It's called Fat and Faithful. I'm promoting it right now. I think maybe you listeners should list, should read it. Fat and Faithful, learning to love your body. I think that's actually really important. But she did not apologize to this person because why? And so I'm supposed to go on Twitter and accept that somebody should apologize to somebody. Why? Hold on. What are we talking about? An apology is serious. You need to mean it. Oh yeah, that's what I, you, it doesn't right. seem at all true that the that Hillary and the other people uh, associated with it apologize and mean it. It's right. not possible They're to mean ca- it felt catering and dismissive. Yeah, the day before, oh, you know what? I'm going to listen to you more. Wait, uh, hold on. It the takes only a while person to, that I feel to this real is, it, to apologize yeah, right. later over time if you ever, you know, it takes a while to get a grip on that stuff. If you can change, right. I mean, that makes it seem way less. When, when have you ever you worked on something apologize. really hard and then immediately had to apologize for it and understood why you were apologizing? Instantly, Wouldn't you rather somebody yeah. to <laughs> take a few days to understand why they need to apologize? Like if, the, yeah, idea of the, of the, the idea of that. Yeah. I mean, th- there's more. I, I could read more reviews on Amazon about this lady's book, but that's my point. She worked really hard. J. J. Nicole Morgan worked really hard on her book. Fat and faithful, learning to love our bodies, which I think is important. I think she actually worked really hard on it. And why would you immediately just go on some site and shit on it? Well, I mean, she has her reasons, though. It's not. I mean, it's not going to be internally consistent. And I'm not saying it's not hypocritical, but it just happens. I mean, what I'm saying is there are rewards for it. People are motivated by rewards that are emerging and things that simply are functional. It's not a random goofiness. This is functional behavior for something. Right. But but my point is, J. Nicole Morgan looks exactly like this critic on Amazon that isn't Worth Except for reading. hers is working and his didn't. Nobody paid any attention. This, this to him. Lady's hers is work, actually but, but, having a. Achievement I know, but, in her but world. that's my point. It's the so. exact same thing. So what right. if it's working? She's well, Jay Nicole Morgan is doing the exact same thing as this person who I believe is ignorant about the work and the sure. effort that Jay Nicole. Except for Jay Nicole did. Morgan has greatly elevated her status amongst us all. So that was that her goal. Well, it's it's it's, it's why that's she will continue point. to behave. I'm not saying it's her goal right. and it's her intentions. I'm just saying. That is the outcome, and usually why when would you use the exact outcomes, same the thing that you continues. would think is not worth works. responding to? Why didn't Jay Nicole Morgan respond to this person on Amazon? She's not interested. Why didn't she in offer an apology? <laughs> why didn't she I'm offer saying. an apology to this person who was obviously hurt by the what she said? And you can use all that, but my point is, why would you use the exact same tactics, Jay Nicole Morgan, that somebody on Amazon did that I think is ignorant, but you aren't? That, that, that's whatever what I, works. Anyway, good God, I sound well, like a you sound, sound like, like what? a angry white man. <laughs> <laughs> Probably right. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That, 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 hey, yeah, it's weird. I, I mean, that's weird to lodge that as. I mean, of course, like I, I mean, 
angry white men. We I love like I, Limp Biscuit. I, I mean, and, how many times do we have to tell people? You know, no, it, it, it's not a coincidence. I, I'm not okay. I'm once again being really real here. I'm not the dumbest person in the world, and I know uh, enough to make you like me. I've been I, I've been a fat kid my entire life, learning how to make people like mm-hmm. me in spite of the things that they see, right? But the reason I talk the way I do and the reason I reveal the things I do about myself is so that you get a whole real picture, and that is what um, Matt and I were on a conversation this week. You always get a real Toby. I'm going to give you that, even when it hurts the hell out of me because I could reserve myself easily and make myself look better. I mean... At our last BC Con, I did a, uh, I spoke in front of people about grief, and you, I promise you, so many people came up to me and said how important and meaningful it was to them, right? But I'm not going to let that be my identity. I'm going to let my identity be I'm both. I am have a hell of a point here, and the next thing I say is the stupidest thing you've ever heard, and Toby's a dumbass. There I'm going to do both of those because I will not allow you to make me a guru. I will not allow that because it would be the worst thing for you and definitely the worst thing for me. So why would I do that? Well, our podcast was headed down a very bad avenue of, hey, you know what? We are all about deconstruction, and we can shit on churches and all this stuff. Guess what? We hadn't done that in a very long time. You know why? Strategic. We aren't going to let you make us something that we aren't. We are going to be dumbass idiots that occasionally hop on a really great point that you should probably listen to. And that's what I want to be. I want to be a dumbass idiot that you don't at all follow everything I say. And then every once in a while, you're like, ah, that was pretty good. It challenged me. Man, that's something. And that's what that's where we're at. And that's why I think this podcast works and, and why it's valuable and why we've continued to keep doing it. because. We aren't going to let you make us a guru. We're not going to let you make us a preacher or a pastor or sitting in the pulpit. What we're going to do is tell you the real thing that we think and then take it or leave it. And that's that means we actually respect you. Yeah, I think it, that boils down to respect. But I appreciate that. We've uh, completed another episode, and Good I enjoyed God. the whole time. I was quite engaged. The time flew by. It's been my, an my- hundred... 10 minutes already. Good God. My favorite part of the podcast was when Dan was like, Reva, were you saying something? And Reva goes, no. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) It was like such a Reva response. It was like, I was like, oh my gosh, that's my friend Reva right there, boy. That is my friend Reva. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, well, let's roll a, a clubber testimonial, and if you want to, and then we'll be out of here. I'll say see you later, and uh, that'll be see that. Ya. But join the BC Club. You go to thebcclub.com. Yeah. Join it now, you you bastard. Yeah. What the hell are you doing listening to this and not in the BC Club? You can't help help us out. It's a fucking pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hi, my name is Tierney, and I'm out of Memphis, Tennessee, and I've been in the BC Club since about 2015, and it's been one of the most awesome, rewarding, humbling experiences of my whole life. What made me join the BC Club was just hearing the podcast every single day and knowing that there were going to be other people there who not only listened to the podcast, but also had similar life experiences and want to grow in the same way. So that was my biggest draw, and it was probably the best decision that I've ever made. I've met my best friends in the club. Some of my friends that I met there, they've literally saved my life. So whatever is holding you back, whatever reason you have as to why you don't want to join, just throw it out the window and just do it. I promise you won't regret it. See ya! We drove through the past like the day we drove in Sitting in the back of the Tahoe waiting Headed east towards Spokane I could tell you it was not But my thoughts always get
We have.